0: From the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University, this is Writer's Talk. I'm Doug Dangler. Today, we talk with Baba Brinkman, a rap performer who will be at The Ohio State University this week, giving his performances of The Canterbury Tales Remixed and The Rap Guide to Evolution. But first, we talk to Robin Holland, who will describe the October 27th Columbus Area Writing Project Fall Conference at OSU, and she'll be talking with OSU student Rebecca Mari.
1: Hi, my name's Becca Mari, and I'm here with Robin Holland to talk about the Columbus Area Writing Project.
2: Hi Rebecca, I'm delighted to be here today. Um, The Columbus Area Writing Project is one of my uh, favorite organizations, and we are excited about our second, and I think I can say annual now, this is our second conference, so our second annual um, writing conference for the fall. Um, it will be October the 27th at the Quest Conference Center, and it will run from 8.30 to 4 with registration starting at 7.30, and we are excited about the lineup of people that we have this year. Who is in the lineup? We have uh, Dr. Thomas Newkirk, who is a professor at the University of Massachusetts. His most recent book is The Art of Slow Reading, um, and it deals with how to um read closer and deeper, and I think that's going to be important as our teachers move into using the Common Core standards as it requires that. Our um, He will speak in the morning. Our second speaker at lunchtime will be Jamie Adolph, and he is a well-known uh, young adult writer. He's written a couple picture books and things as well, but most of his things are young adult. And he um, is um, a young writer who has then decided he wanted to go back into the classroom and teach. So he will be talking about his path of writing himself into the classroom. So we're excited about hearing that as well. He is um, some some listeners may know his parents. He is the child of um, uh, Virginia Hamilton, who wrote novels for uh, middle school. Uh, age, upper elementary, and also Arnold Adolph, who is a um, well-known poet in his own right. He's just released a new book of poetry as well. Uh, Virginia Hamilton is no longer with us, but Arnold Adolph is. So we're excited about that lineup. And then in addition, um, the concurrent sessions are are going to be excellent And thought provoking as well. They will be uh, led or facilitated by our own teacher consultants who have come through uh, the summer institutes of the um, Columbus Area Writing Project. So we're excited about that.
1: All right. So, how did you get involved with this?
2: with the okay, with conference. The conference. Yeah. Um, I am one of the co-directors of the Columbus Area Writing Project. There are five of us all together. Um, our site director is uh, Dr. David Bloom of the School of Teaching and Learning. Uh, we also have um, Dr. George Newell, who is with um, the English Department and, and College of Education as well. Uh, Dr. Melissa Wilson, School of Teaching and Learning, and then um, Dr. Kevin Cordy, who is with the um, uh, Ohio Dominican University. He did his doctorate work here and got involved when he was here. I got involved with the whole Columbus Area Writing Project when I went through a summer institute, which is the way that everyone becomes a part of our local affiliate. We're a local affiliate of the National Writing Project, which is a professional development network for teachers um, across the nation. And the way you become a part of that network is to take part in a summer institute at any of the local affiliates. And in Ohio right now, there are three. There's um, us here at OSU. Um, there is a writing project at Kent State and a writing project at Miami University. So uh, anywhere in the nation, going through a summer institute with an affiliate then makes you a teacher consultant in the National Writing Project. So those people who have come through ours are who will be leading our um, concurrent sessions this okay. year, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? What's your background? I was born and raised here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I went to OSU uh, for both of my degrees, my bachelor's and my master's. I uh, taught in Columbus City Schools for 35 years. Uh, most of that time um, was spent out of the classroom. I taught grades. Um, one through, I've taught everybody one through eight at some point or in some capacity. Most of my career was spent working uh, with students who were struggling in literacy areas um, as a Title I teacher, as a reading recovery teacher, uh, later on as a literacy coach in my building. Um, and then the last three years, I went back into the classroom. They eliminated my reading job and turned it into a math job and um, I don't think I'd want my own kid to take math from me. So I went back into the classroom and taught fifth grade my last three years, which was a wonderful experience. I got to um, do myself all the things I was working with teachers to do in their own classroom. So that was a wonderful experience.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about anything you're working on right now?
2: Um, I am finishing up the putting the last touches on a book that I've written Um which is a professional a professional book for teachers uh, about writing. It's called um, Deeper Writing, Quick Writes and Mentor Texts to Illuminate New Possibilities. And it will be published by Corwin Press. And it's for sale now online uh, with Corwin, with Amazon, with Barnes & Noble uh, for pre-order. Uh, Review copies are uh, available for administrators of school systems and and universities and so forth, Uh, but it's due to be published uh, November the 13th. So I've been spending lots of time uh, working on the final copy edits for that um, and then uh, working with uh, some of the um, activities that are involved around the Columbus Area Writing Project. We have a group of teachers who are involved in a an inquiry group, a teacher inquiry group uh, that met all of last year as we studied and considered the whole nature of inquiry. And then each did some inquiry work in their own classrooms and they will be presenting their work at the National Council of Teachers of English. Uh, this fall in in November in Las Vegas at the uh, con- convention, so we're really excited about that.
1: Wow. Um, do you have any advice for young writers?
2: Read. Writers are people who read and you learn to write by reading. And I I can't imagine trying to write anything without having read lots of things. Um, They serve to feed your knowledge and your curiosity. Um, and also serve as mentor text. That's what my book is about, how we can use things that we have read to help us write the things that we want to write. Um, I think it increases your vocabulary. I just think it, it makes you a more well-rounded person. So and my my first advice is read and then write. And it doesn't always have to be something that Ernest Hemingway would write or Toni Morrison would write. Um, I would just encourage them to begin to write down lots and lots of their thoughts. And out of that, there are going to be some kernels that they can turn into something bigger or better that they may want to finish. But I I would read and I would write. That's that's my basic advice. So what sort of advice will be given at the conference? Several kind, several different directions, and I think depending on who you are as a teacher and what you're looking for, you're going to find what you want. If you are a person who is now dealing with the new Common Core standards and thinking about how you are going to um, include more argumentative writing in your classroom, which is one of the things that the Common Core is calling for, that may not be what as much of what people are doing now. There will be several sessions dealing from different perspectives on argumentative writing. Um, There will be uh, several sessions on dealing with uh, supporting and encouraging Um, English language learners. Um, There will be a digital memoir session. Uh, There will be a session on supporting, and and several of these are general sessions, regardless of grade level. The argumentative writing ones, I believe, are all middle school and high school level. But there will be a session on how teachers can be advocates for and support um, LGBTQ. TQ students there will be a, a word vocabulary session so there are, you can see there's a wide variety of things and whatever it is that you're coming looking for is a teacher educator librarian uh, coach whoever supporting students as they learn there's going to be something there that's going to inform you inspire you um, Increase your learning as we move into the, the coming year and some of the new things that we are being required to do as educators. Okay, Um, what is the main theme of the whole conference? Mm -hmm. The main theme is uncommon writing and reading practices in a common core world. And core is in parentheses, kind of a play on the common core standards that are being implemented um, in, in various stages across our nation at this point. Okay. The one thing that I would say to people listening who may be wondering how they can get involved in the um, uh, Columbus Area Writing Project, we had a, several people who actually came to the conference and then as a result of that experience and being so impressed with the presentations that not only the featured speakers gave, we expect them to be wonderful, but those that our, our teachers gave, the teacher consultants uh, who are from the Columbus Area Writing Project, they wanted to get involved. So I would encourage anyone to get in touch with us on our website um, and come and be a part of the Columbus Area Writing Summer Institute which will take place in June this coming summer. And if they can't do it this year, it's going to be there the coming year and I would I would encourage them to get involved with that particularly if there are if they are an educator K through 16 looking for a professional development network that's going to be an ongoing community that's going to be able to support them in their teaching. How do you get involved with that? You would, you would apply, it's an application process, you would apply to be a part of the Summer Institute. Okay. Mm-hmm. For people who want more information either about the conference or the um, how to get involved with Columbus Area Writing Project in general, they can go to um, http colon backslash backslash cop c-a-w-p dot e-h-e dot o-s-u dot e-d-u.
1: Thank you so much, Robin Holland of CAWP for being here with us today.
2: And thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about our work.
1: From Writer's Talk, this is Becca Mari from The Ohio State University. Keep writing.
2: That was Robin
0: Holland from the Columbus Area Writing Project discussing their fall conference. More information about that conference can be found at www.writerstalk.org. Now we'll talk to Baba Brinkman, who will be in Columbus this week, October 12th through the 15th, give performances of his Rap Guide to Evolution and The Canterbury Tales Remixed. I am joined today by Baba Brinkman, who will be coming to The Ohio State University to give rap performances, and he's here to talk to us about how he does that and the subject matter which that is unusual that he uses for that. So welcome to Writer's Talk. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, tell me about the raps that you'll be performing at The Ohio State University.
3: Well, on uh, on on Monday uh, next week, I'm going to be performing uh, the Canterbury Tales remixed, which is adaptations of Geoffrey Chaucer's 14th century masterpieces of English literature. Uh, there are stories about cuckolded husbands and backstabbing friends, and uh, the search for happiness, and um, you know the battle of the sexes, and all the sort of uh, the themes of a lot of rap music uh, show up in the tales, so I've adapted them into a hip-hop style, and it also includes the Epic of Gilgamesh and the, uh, the great uh, 9th century Old English poem Beowulf as well. So you will see what happens when ancient literature meets hip-hop culture.
0: So tell me about that. How did you adapt literature like that to be done in a rap style?
3: Well, I, I did a comparative literature thesis myself. I, I did a master's, and uh, and 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 while I was working on looking at the classics, I was noticing parallels. I was also a big hip-hop fan at the time. So I'd sort of read a line from Chaucer, and Chaucer's partner will go, you know, i I would have fine food, nice clothes, good wine, and I would have a jolly wench in every town. And I'd read this boast of one of Chaucer's characters about having a jolly wench in every town. And I think, Man, you know, rap- rappers are bragging about the exact same kind of thing. Only they're just using different words for it. And then I'd go listen to some ludicrous and hear Nate Dogg singing, "I got hoes in different area codes." And I just look at the statements and go, "Okay, hoes in different area codes, a jolly wench in every town." Clearly, there's something similar going on here. You know, the sort of the the sort of hustler mentality or gangster mentality or people who are trying to, you know, game the system for for status and, and sexiness uh, it's a very deep uh, roots that that has in history. So I, I started going through the Canterbury tales line by line, looking at the Middle English and just rewriting it into a language that would resonate more with myself and my peer groups, uh, you know, who are people who grew up on hip hop culture.
0: So how difficult was that to take um, the, the ancient lines and make them into something that scans correctly for general rap?
3: Well, I mean, it's a different form, right? Chaucer wrote in something called iambic pentameter, and iambic pentameter is a sort of four-stress line, very similar to Shakespeare, with you know masculine or feminine rhymes on the end. And and hip hop's, uh, or sorry, iambic pentameter rather is a five-stress line. Hip hop is a four-stress line. So uh, I can give you an example, like recite a little bit of the old and the new, if it would uh, if it would give you a sense of what I did with yeah, it. Yeah, that'd be great. So the, the the partner is the character I was just t- talking about, and if you w- were to read from the original Old English, uh, here's the uh, iambic pentameter that Chaucer wrote in. So, uh, the partner's tale begins: In Flanders' Willam was a company of young folk that haunted in Fali as riat, hazard, Stevas, and tavernes. What with their harpes, lutes, and gitternes, they dance and at dees both di and nychta and eaten also and drinken over hermichta. So it's a story of three young guys from Flanders, from fr- from Belgium, who, uh, you know, are out just sort of living it up and acting like a bunch of thugs and drinking and gambling and, you know, whoring and uh, troublemakers, right? So, uh, here's my rap adaptation of those same lines. It goes. In the days before violence was senseless and counterproductive, there were three young friends who were down for some ruckus. They were inner-city thugs, rough riders like Vancouver after losing the Stanley Cup riders They were thriving on chaos, anarchistic, hedonistic, auto-cannibalistic, like a wolf licking a blade stuck in the ice, thinking it's in a taste, lifeblood slipping away. I'm talking bad boys, throwing dice in the ghetto, drinking liquor like it was a sacrifice to the devil. dancing, And getting money illegally through nothing but extortion and thievery. So it's a sort of, uh, you know, it's a the 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 language is all updated. It's all contemporary rap style uh, delivery, but the subject matter is attempting to translate these same stories that are 600 years old uh, and, and retell them in a way that will be fully understandable for a modern audience. Okay.
0: What has been the reaction that you've gotten from, say, rappers to what you've been doing? Do they see it as something that they're embracing, something they find troubling? What is that?
3: Well, you know, to answer that, I need to give a give a sense of perspective because, you know, I, I hang out with rappers, and they're rappers who are in a similar sort of echelon of hip hop as me, which is to say, rappers who have either thousands or tens of thousands of fans, but not rappers who have hundreds of thousands or millions of fans. You know, so I don't I don't like pal around with Jay Z and Eminem. I hear they're pretty busy, yeah. but the rappers that I know and and are friends with. Uh, you know, from from Britain, from Canada, from New York uh, on the hip hop scene there where I live. uh, You know, the response is really positive. It's people saying to me, you know, good job for doing something different. Thanks for mixing it up. You know, way to think outside the box, that kind of thing, because, you know, there's nothing in what I'm doing that disrespects hip hop culture in any way. In fact, it's a tribute to it. And it's always been my perspective that, Uh, The the next generation of Shakespeare's and Chaucer's and William Blake's are going to emerge from hip hop culture because that's where my entire generation and the next generation as well uh, are sort of focusing all of their creative, lyrical, linguistic energy. And uh, I see it now in hip hop and spoken word and the sort of new oral poetry that's coming out. It seems to be kind of like a renaissance, like a resurgence of interest in uh, entertainment and and, uh, using like stylized, striking language to to really bring your point across and, and captivate an audience. And I think that's where literature comes from. And that's what hip hop's doing. So I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to draw that parallel and build those bridges, but not just make some kind of historical argument, also show people that there's a deep kindred between the old stories and the new style.
0: And at the other end of the scale, what's your response from academics? How do they feel about the updating of the language? Is it a difficulty sometimes with saying you're not using the pure language, or they're just happy that it's being updated for a new crowd
3: well, you know, I think uh, the response is variable. Different different academics have responded in different ways. Some are really keen. I mean, I was I performed at a at a college in Virginia a couple days ago at uh, Randolph-Macon, and you know they brought all the English students in, and you know the response was great, and the, and the the professors there are really enthusiastic. And I've I've had others. I mean, nobody nobody really comes after me directly, but I've sort of like you know eavesdropped on conversations between professors that weren't big fans of it or thought it was like uh you know trying to misrepresent chaucer or stand in like oh we can't play this for the students because 10 years later they're only going to remember the rap and then they won't actually uh, you know really like have absorbed any of the original or something but it's really not i'm really not trying to stand as a replacement for it i'm trying to stand as a hook you know and have have this be the thing that makes people take a greater interest in the thing that they're exposed to in the classroom um you know but it's really like it's up to professors whether they want to use it or not i mean either way they don't have uh any exclusive rights to chaucer right i mean it's Mm -hmm. in the public domain it's 600 years old anybody can go read it on the web if they want to and uh, i'm trying to bring it up to date and you know that's that, you know if you want to use it in your class great, and if you uh, feel like it's some kind of threat to the purity of the original, then do your thing, whatever. You know, my point about this is not to like help out professors who need to make their material more entertaining. My point about this is actually to, uh, to take something that might seem inaccessible for the general public and 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 put it in a, in a context that is entertainment and and is accessible again. So I'm trying to bring Chaucer to the masses, basically.
0: Okay. Uh, not
3: not just be pedagogical rap or whatever.
0: There's an interview on your website that you say rappers are the inheritors of Chaucer and William Shakespeare. Maybe you could expand a little bit about on that and tell us about that.
3: Well, I mean, I think um, I think somebody who uh, sort of has a an instinct for creative language use or poetry, or who has a who has a talent with that, uh, whatever era they're born into and whatever culture they're born into, they sort of look to the local forms to see where their greatest opportunities lie. And I think Shakespeare was born into a time when uh, when being a playwright was the way you could get recognition for your abilities and use that to. To sort of um, you know make your way in the world, or transcend your circumstances, or you know move up the ladder, or whatever. And I think in Chaucer's time that was court poetry, and he was rec- he was writing and reciting poetry for his sort of courtier uh, coterie of friends that that were um, you know sort of upper middle class, middle ages people, the sons of merchants and Traders and some aristocrats and you know that was that was his best opportunity to move ahead or whatever and I think if somebody's born into this era they'll look around at the poetry options and and say well you know you could be a spoken word poet or you could be like coffee shop poet you could try to be a literary poet that writes free verse that gets published in the in the New Yorker or whatever but you know none of those to me look like even remotely as fruitful options as rap Rap is the form that's got the most attention. It's got the most energy. It's got the most possibility of reaching millions of people. Um, you know, it's just, it's just. There's something about this the the rap approach to lyricism that's really like captured the interest of a whole generation. And uh, I think that's why I think the next Shakespeare's are going to come out of rap because it's a no brainer that that's where the sort of creative juice is right now.
0: And you also do a uh, a performance based on uh, the ev- evolution of rap. I think I may have that backwards well, the the show is
3: called the rap
0: guide to evolution i was not i was fairly close <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: but you know evolution of rap is also part of it because uh this is a sort of hip-hop exploration of darwinian biology and the origin of species and the evolution of rap is part of that because rap is a sort of cultural phenomenon and we know exactly where it came from right we know where it started it started in the mid 1970s in the south bronx and then it spread from the south bronx to the other neighborhoods of new york and soon you had queens rap and manhattan rap and harlem rap and brooklyn rap and then from there it spread to every city in the u.s and then from there to canada and britain and australia and now it's this global phenomenon where you've got rappers that are rapping in korean and Um, You know, Palestinian rappers rapping in Arabic and Israeli rappers rapping in Hebrew. And it's become this sort of like huge, like multicultural, multinational phenomenon. Right. But every bit of that has been part of this evolutionary process where, you know, the the sort of uh, ideas, norms. Uh, words, phrases, the sort of whatever viruses of the mind g- infect you, and then you sort of revise them and put out your own version. So, uh, evolution of rap. I see rap as a sort of cultural evolutionary process, and uh, you know you can see that happening in your in your iTunes playlist. You know you run out of hard drive space, you got to delete something. You'll delete the songs that you like the least, and you'll keep the songs you like the most, and that's the process by which rap artists are getting famous and living these great lives is because people are like copying and catching on to what they've created so that's like cultural evolution which is a pretty nice analogy for uh, how Darwinian evolution works in nature. you know, like fifty cent has become a sort of successful species, and uh, vanilla ice is sort of the equivalent of extinction. And you can it become becomes a sort of intuitively uh, understandable uh, way of approaching the theory of evolution, which which is sort of how we understand all of biology and form and function in the natural world.
0: Right. and you've got a rep on uh, your website called Creationist Cousins that I think uh, approaches some of those same topics. Tell me a little bit about how your own family received that. You, you tell this story, I think, a little bit on your website.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I, I have uh, several first cousins who are young earth creationists. And part of my interest in evolution comes from having had the experience growing up of sort of debating with them and talking to them at the family dinner table. And they'd be like, Oh, you don't really think humans came from monkeys, do you? And I'd be like, Yeah, well, I've seen these fossils in this museum. And, uh, you know, the whole uh, argument seems to really hold together for me it seems like we got all the evidence on the science side. And they'd be like, Yeah, well, the Bible is the word of God, and the Earth is only six thousand years old, and here's why we think that. Maybe the Earth was created to appear to be old, in order to, uh, you know, in the same way that Adam was created with a belly button. So we, I got this whole rap where I'm like debating evolution with my cousins, and uh, you know, they they got a they got a pretty good sense of humor about it. I haven't had any of them say that they are like deeply offended. But the point of the rap is not is not to say, you know they're crazy and i'm sane, or something like that is to say that intelligent people can disagree over uh really important things and the way you sort that out is by going to the evidence and having these conversations is an inherently valuable thing you know it's something that we need to be doing more of and uh, and looking at the implications of evolution not just like did we come from monkeys or not i mean science is clear that we did but also like you know, why do you like the foods you like? Um, you know, why, do you, why are you attracted to the people you're attracted to? What do we find like sexy or impressive? Even like abilities with words or abilities with music or, um, you know, scientific accomplishment or great writers or whatever. Like all of the talents that we have that accrue status and, and, and sexiness probably have evolutionary roots that's there if there's reproductive consequences uh, then there's probably got to be an evolutionary story going on there and it's you know there's a deep rationality to all of culture that i think is is an interesting story that's worth telling
0: well i think the idea that culture has a deep rationality is one that you'll probably run into a lot of discussion on as you <laughs> travel around the country
3: absolutely i mean we did we, <laughs> i did i had a little visit visit to tennessee a few months back I uh, was the songwriter in residence at the University of Knoxville there and uh, you know some people were were really enthusiastic like thanks for coming and giving a pro Darwin pro science perspective in a, in an area that uh, is not exactly known for it but other people were a lot more hostile and uh, you know I'm not I'm not doing this to be universally liked you know I'm just uh, trying to trying to be the messenger say that, you know what? all biology departments are in agreement that Darwin was right you know, that all living things share common ancestors, and that the way uh, evolution unfolds is via natural selection or the differential reproduction of random variants, and that's something that would be valuable for us to all understand, and, you know, if you don't like it, if you don't agree with me, you know, don't shoot the messenger, take it up with the army of scientists that I'm speaking for.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, Baba Brinkman, I thank you very much for talking to us today about your performances and the, uh, the three, I think, that you're giving at OSU this next week.
3: That's right. I think I'm doing two uh, Rap Guide to Evolution performances on Friday uh, for the Biology for the Life Science Center, and then there's uh, one on Monday evening as well, which will be the Canterbury Tales remixed.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, and have a great day.
3: Thanks for talking to me today.
0: You've been listening to Writer's Talk from the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University with my guests Robin Holland and Baba Brinkman. More information can be found about them at www.writerstalk.org. Also, thanks to my guest interviewer today, OSU student Rebecca Mari. Join us next time for an all-Thurber House show when recent guests from the Thurber House discuss their writing. Until then, this is Doug Dangler. Keep writing.